0: Yeah. Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com.
1: You're listening to Baltimoreans, the home of the All Weather Fan. My name is Sam Dingman. This is Alan Smith. Let's get stupid.
2: Baltimoreans.
3: Welcome back, Baltimoreans. Good to see you all again. Welcome to uh, episode part B of
1: the 2013 season in review yes this is part two of our two-parter so this is this is where we wrap it all up this is the denouement of last week's episode because <laughs> i know we we left some we left some some strings untied there at the end sure did sure did Lot lot, lot left on the table including
3: um some other uh co-podcasts in the most excellent baltimore sports report You already heard from 336. You already heard from the Baltimore Sports Report podcast. Coming up now, we're going to be hearing from Charlie, Charlie Hoppus from the Orioles Spastics podcast. And then we're going to nip over to uh, a few words from Cal uh, over at OBP Apparel. Uh, They will be uh, tasked with some of the same questions we were grappling with last week. And hopefully we'll get a little closer to the truth (laughs) coming up now.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, next in the hit parade: Charlie <laughs> Hoppus from the Orioles. Spastics, come on down!
2: It uh, as always. This is this is my third time on the show. I feel I feel good about it.
1: Indeed, it is. Indeed, do, it is. Do you do you feel better
3: after being um, essentially lumped in with the best hits of the '80s? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, if you're going to be introduced, it might as well be like that. Sure, sure. <laughs> well. That is definitely true. All right, Charlie. Right uh, under Nobel Prize winner would be that introduction. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how they actually introduce Nobel Prize winners. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> I've never, I've never attended. Yeah, neither have I. But,
3: the, the, divide, but uh, the imagination would assume that's where it goes.
1: <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, enough, enough frivolity. We've got some some serious business to attend to here. Uh, right, right. Some serious podcast business, and that is, Charlie. We'd like to know what your 2013 Orioles highlight is.
2: Now, I'll be honest, I was a little bit stumped and then somebody from um uh Megan from uh I hate JJ Redick published a very handy best moments of the 2013 Orioles in gif form. Oh. So I I got a chance to I got a chance to review that because there were so many moments that it, it, they didn't really jump off the page like in 2012, you know? Right. With the right. Chris, Chris Davis pitching and the, the Manny Machado fake and throw him out of third play. Just, right. But there's so many good moments. My moment. Uh, early in the season, the Orioles, I think, are at 500. They're 7 7 when this game is happening, April 18th. And okay. they're playing Tampa Bay, and it is tied 6 6 in the bottom of the 10th. We get three straight runners on base for Matt Weiders, and Matt Weiders hits the game-winning walk-off Grand Slam.
1: Oh, man, I remember that game. It also
3: marked the last hit with runners in scoring position that Matt Weiders was <laughs> going to get for the rest of the season.
2: It's, it's for me that game. That game represented hope because we we're we we're seven and seven, but we felt good about the team. Yes, are right. that early? Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. We, we felt like everybody was playing really well. Uh, Chris Davis was just destroying the world. And you know, every year we come in with this definitely false hope about Matt Weiders <laughs> that this is the year right. Matt Weiders is going to turn into. The guy from those Weeders facts. Yep, and, and, <laughs> and it started a stretch of I think we won five of our next six. You know, it was yep. it was great. That was heady,
1: the heady times. <laughs> that was the night of the rarely sighted in the wild Matt Weeders bat flip, if I'm not mistaken.
2: <laughs> oh, I didn't. I don't remember that, but I. He he's got a little bit of swag to him. Is he, that true?
1: He gave it a he gave it a David Ortiz style uh, pinwheel on the on the bat. Um, wow! As it went over the fence, uh, in doing so, he clearly cursed himself for the rest of the season. So, <laughs> the baseball well, gods were
2: not pleased. Ortiz does that on like second inning solo shots. So <laughs> I guess true. the walk off grand slam, we can forgive him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So that was that was obviously the top of the mountain. What about the bottom of the valley, the nadir? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the top of the mountain was April eighteenth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> um Real 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 talk here. <laughs> <laughs> All downhill from there. Oh, um It's true. <laughs> that
1: was two days before my I... birthday. I was riding high. <laughs> uh
2: yeah, I, 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 I'm sure that I'll, this is gonna come up a lot as you guys do this, but obviously the 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 series against the Diamondbacks, it's you... sort of hard to pick a moment.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. You were actually the first one to bring up that series.
2: Do you mind if I give a quick rundown? I would like you to. <laughs> okay, so the series starts. We're 13 games over 500 and only four and a half back. We look like we're doing pretty well. 13 games over 500. That's, that's, we're in good shape, right? Was that a this season is high? August 12th. So we're going to finish like 20 something over, right? For of sure. course, yeah. We're in the seventh inning. We're up four to two on the, the first game. Hunter blows the lead, and we're down five to four. Mm. We come back, tie the game. Patton blows the lead oh, on a home run to Will Nieves, which is his only one of the season in 200 at-bats. Oh. Wow. Then in the, we come back, and we tie it up again. So in the ninth inning, immediately we give a walk-off. Darren O'Day gives up a walk-off home run to Adam Eaton, also hitting his first home run of the season.
1: Yeah.
2: So that's how we wa- lost the first game. But, wow. I mean, hey – Lots of, lots of fight in that game, right? So yeah. that, that felt good.
1: A lot of I mean, the level two backs,
2: at least. Chutzpah, if you, if you will. Indeed. The 13th, we come back. We're, we're up 3-0 on home runs by Chris Davis and J.J. Hardy. And in the seventh inning, Gonzo has been left in maybe a little too long. He gives up a triple uh, to Aaron Hill, who scores on a grounder. Then a home run to, I don't know this person's name, <laughs> Gararodo? D- uh, I believe in— I believe the name you're looking for is Tuffy
1: Goeswitch.
2: <laughs> Tuffy Goeswitch, who ended up with ten whole home runs on the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're we're up. We're still up, but we're up uh, three to two in the ninth inning. Of course, J.J. Hardy gives up a leadoff home run to Paul Goldschmidt mm-hmm. on the fattest three-one pitch you'll ever see, mm-hmm. and that ties the game. We go on to lose the game in the eleventh when. For whatever reason, TJ McFarland was left in for two innings, and Paul Goldschmidt hit another home run.
1: Right, uh, yes. the
2: Goldschmidt
3: Goldschmidt game. Uh, yes.
2: Yes, <laughs> the infamous Goldschmidt Goldschmidt game. <laughs> on on the fourteenth, we're up four to one in the second inning. Um, on on a pretty nice rally, uh, they score a run to bring it within one in the seventh on a bunt single, a stolen base, a wild pitch, and a ground out. Oh, yep. In the ninth, I was reviewing these games today to just really just soak in the depth of... Wallow in it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: So now we're, now we're only up one. In the ninth, J.J. gives up a double to... to what was his name? Something Goldsnitch? No, the other guy. <laughs> Tuffy. Tuffy G. <laughs> T- Tuffy G. He gives up, he gives up a double. Um, sack bunt and then a single. So there goes the lead. And then the 14th, after we, we play great baseball for, or great pitching for five innings, we bring in, oh, and, and after also Scott Feldman misses a home run as a pinch hitter by uh, only a few feet.
1: Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that.
2: <laughs> we, we then bring in Bud Norris, who has a walk, then he has another walk, then he strikes out Paul Goldsmith, because of course, and then gives up an RBI single, and we lose again. Yes. So that's three straight walk-offs. Leading all three games.
1: All three games, extra innings.
2: All three games, extra innings, and we finished the season, from that point, three games below 500.
1: You know, from that I had, seen, I had seen in various articles, you know, like Rock Kubatko has said, a lot of people are going to look back at the Arizona series and, and call that the turning point. But until you just enumerated it so depressingly for us, <laughs> uh, I had really forgotten exactly how heart-wrenching Every single inning of those games was.
2: <laughs> it was it was devastating. I don't I, I don't think I've ever quite sat through anything like that. And you
1: really ever. also you don't want the D backs to be the team that you right, that's really the worst. That that really fights you tooth and nail. The Red Sox, fine. That's a good thing. Uh if you're hanging in against Oakland, that's a good thing. Hanging in against the D Backs. That sounds like an '80s sitcom that never got picked up.
2: <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good. And I, and Paul Goldsmith is a perfect character for that '80s sitcom.
1: Yes, yes, he is. He's so wholesome looking, uh, but deep down he's a dud. Yeah.
3: By a dud, you mean nearly yeah. won the NL Triple Crown, right? That's the <laughs>
1: National League Most Valuable Player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right, all right. Well, well. Let's let's scrape the sad sauce from our brows and and look to the future. What what is the first thing you would like to see Dan Duquette do this off season?
2: Well, you guys actually convinced me that, and and maybe this isn't even what you think, but your your line <laughs> of thinking convinced me that the first thing we need to do is get at least one, maybe two, high uh, on base percentage guys. Yeah. Mm. Um. Because even our options at second base aren't going if uh scope ends up being our guy mm-hmm. he's probably going to be great he's also never really been a high on base percentage guy
1: right yeah that's not how he
2: rules
1: yeah and um, that doesn't that doesn't tend to be a skill that that improves from the minors
2: no well and he he was okay in the lower minors but in triple a he was right at 300 and that's
1: okay well he'll fit in well ideal this team.
2: and it was only you know 250 at bats, so maybe but it's you know that's not something you want to exactly tank tank to the bank right this offseason um and there's a lot of high on base percentage guys available that play dh and outfield which would be just fine hey that would uh that'd fit pretty well with our needs <laughs> <laughs> that would be okay um so, uh, yeah, I would say that probably a high on base percentage person would be the, my first order of business. Do you have one? I'm looking forward out. to hearing the show and hearing what you guys think. <laughs> Do
3: you have one picked out specifically or uh,
2: just <clears throat> a general? Well, um, it's tough because a lot of the guys that would be sort of best are Scott Boris clients. Ah, so
0: yeah.
2: Sin, Sin Shou, <laughs> Sin, Shin So Chu <laughs> is. Uh, it would be great. His on-base percentage was 4.23 last yeah. season.
1: Yeah. Holy cow.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's okay. And he has a little bit of a lefty platoon split thing, but, you know, when your you're on-base percentage is that high, you're still okay. Your on-base yeah. percentage is still 3.40 on the wrong side. So that's okay. Yeah. Also, Scott Boras said that he wanted to get him a $100 million deal. Nah. So okay. Well, <laughs> everyone We're probably out on down. that. So it's tough. It's It's tough. McCann, who you guys liked, it, it's it's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Ma- McCann is a Boris Klein as well. Yes.
2: Yes. And also, Ellsbury and the Rangers are in
3: on him, so that's that's not good. <laughs> no,
2: it's not good.
1: Can I make it's, the uh, the least the least advanced point that uh, has ever been made on this podcast, which is saying something?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm excited.
1: <laughs> yeah, really, it, it's got to be good to be Scott
2: Boris. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say. It must be really terrible to have Brian McCann as a dad.
3: <laughs> no, that that's
2: a good point.
3: It's it's got to be good to be Scott Boris, but like good in the same way that it was good to short mortgage backed securities. <laughs> like,
1: you, like yes, you are living well, but what at what cost to your soul? Yeah, you're not you're not sleeping well. You're not sleeping well, which is probably why you get so much done. <laughs> I all
4: just right charlie he so <laughs> chu
2: us. probably okay. deserves close to that maybe yeah. mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is he he hasn't made an all-star game he just came off a one-year seven million dollar deal right seems high he's, seems he's high. not gonna no nah, it's not
1: yeah and he's 30 what 31 or 32 and
2: <laughs> yeah and he's in his early
1: 30s his principal attribute is speed um, um i'm not buying what you're selling mr boris no
2: no although i would love him to play left field for the orioles for you know maybe a four-year deal
1: yeah yeah i would take i have realized uh i was going back and listening to some of the old shows and i realized that the only contract i ever um propose for any player is four years 60 million dollars it's just a nice contract i think you know it's really hits you right in that 15 million dollar range where it says like you're great you're not a world beater but you're great and, you know, you, you know, and I know that your skills are going to decline and we're all OK with that. So we're going to pay you, you know, a little bit more than any human being could possibly be worth um, to do anything in the world except maybe, you know, uh, uh, special ed teachers. But we digress. And, you know, you can you can play left field in a child's game for us. That'd, that'd
2: be great. And lead off. Also, yeah. please.
1: Yeah, yeah please, if, <laughs> please. If, if we could persuade if you. If could do that. We'll, we'll bump it up to $65 million if you need.
2: <laughs> if you don't mind.
1: If, 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 it, if it would please you, Mr. Chu, sir. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so if you had to put it into uh, an epitaph, what? and we're laughing because uh, I don't know if the correct word is epitaph, epigram, or epigraph. Or epitaph. Or epitaph. <laughs> or epitaph. Nope, no idea.
3: So we're just throwing them all out there in a sort of, you know, paint by numbers, whichever one comes up next sort of
1: way. <laughs> what uh, what would your 2013 Epa blank be?
2: Well, I landed, and this is tying in with my my highlight to start off with. Mine is wheat till next year is in wheaters
0: till next Ooh. year
2: it's a really bad pun and it's uh, it's we, because we I, I i know that's okay with you um <laughs> it's because as a deliriously optimistic fan who has already forgotten about the perils of last year and is already missing the orioles even though they were probably my least favorite part of my life for the last month or so <laughs> i'm really hopeful that the orioles and matt Weiders next year will be their year of glory yeah now
1: how old is he now uh, is 27
2: 27 yeah
4: mm.
1: now do you think so weeders is theoretically at the peak of his talents and in a walk year and is a Boris client I think it's probable that the Orioles are the only team where that cocktail produces another dud of a season uh, but do you think it's it's possible that he just has an absolute monster campaign next year
2: um well, I, I hope so. I, I, you know, I read something interesting about maybe trying to get him to uh, stop switch hitting.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, please, God. <laughs>
2: would that been, be okay? This is, this We've is been in a
3: campaign uh, that Sam has been on literally since I've known Sam Dingman. I,
1: in 2000, <laughs> I...
3: and I, well, I While while Matt Wieters was batting for Georgia Tech.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to toot my own horn, but since 2009, I have been saying... That guy gets better drive through the ball from the right side. He doesn't have that absurdly high leg kick. He hits more line drives. He has really long arms and he's super tall. This is a no
2: brainer. So, I mean, just we're gonna talk about this a little bit on our show, so I don't want to go too deep into it, and plus I'm on a, a time crunch for you guys. For sure. But it just it just makes it just makes so much sense. Yeah. There's no way he's gonna hit worse right handed against right handed pitching than he hits Le- against right-handed pitching batting left-handed yeah i mean it would be terrifying if he did <laughs> it's not it's not possible he'd be a, he'd be uh, he'd be in triple like a yeah. half of his body would be in triple a he'd
1: be michael morse <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah half of his body would be michael morse
1: yeah <laughs> that is that wow hopefully that's not the wrist <laughs>
2: yeah hopefully not the hair
1: Yuck, yeah oh actually matt weeders with uh some scraggly blonde locks
2: you know sign me up
1: uh depending on how much you're charging
2: the <laughs> Nate McClough wig. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we will wheat until next year, but hopefully we won't have to wheat that long for the next installment of the Oriole Spastics podcast. Charlie, thank you very much for
2: joining us this evening. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I wanted to plug one other thing. Oh, please um, do. I have lately started listening to a uh, a podcast that I think you all will enjoy. Ah. Uh, Yeah, I'm going through all the very old installments of, well, at this point it's called The Sam Digman Show.
4: (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh.
2: I just finished an episode in which, uh, well, first I just finished an episode that had a a song about Vladimir Guerrero, (laughs) um, sung by an optimistic Orioles fan and a realistic Yankees fan (laughs) crushing the hopes and dreams of the Orioles fan.
1: Oh, man. I can't believe you found that, that, that. old archives. That's in there. <laughs>
2: and air. and I just finished listening to an episode right before I came on, in which there was a song sung that the title was "Before We Get It On." You got to meet my mom. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you've uh, you have located the deep cuts, sir. <laughs>
2: I am having a blast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, there are, just so you know, there are a bunch more songs for you to discover, most of which are terrible.
2: <laughs> I, as as Is your listeners will soon find out, they won't be the worst song. If they, if they go and listen to your show, it will not be... <laughs> Worse than what they're going to hear on later on your show tonight.
3: That is what we call a tease, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. We'd we'd like you to take two things away from our segment with Charlie, which is music and Charlie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. Buckle up! Yeah, buckle up! Buckle, yeah. up, buckle again. back up! Buckle <laughs> up back still! Up again.
1: All right, buckle Charlie. Back up three. The
2: revenge of buckling up.
1: <laughs> Electric boogaloo. <booglebuck. laughs>
2: Seatbelt burn.
1: <laughs> All right, man. We'll catch you later. All right, thanks, guys. You are listening to Baltimoreans, the home of the all-weather fan. My name is Sam Dimon. This is Alan Smith. Let's get stupid. Ladies and gentlemen, the next, the next contestant on the Morons is right. Uh, <laughs> well, I wish I'd thought that through a little bit better.
5: <laughs> Great <in> English.
1: <laughs> We've got Cal. From the OBP podcast. Now, now, uh, you guys, again, probably all know this already, but just in case there's anybody who's confused, <laughs> we've had Cal on the show before. That was back when his, his website and podcast were called Protect This Yard. It's the same Cal, but he's got things under a new name now.
5: Unfortunately, we've been cease and desisted, guys. So, um, you know, you guys might want to refrain from using that that phrase "protect this yard." Otherwise, you guys yourselves might receive a cease and desist letter. So,
1: come at me, Under Armour. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, by They're the way, bring the
5: ruckus. Uh, <laughs> any
1: anybody out there who uh, is wearing Under Armour, uh, take your clothes off right now. Get naked, um, <laughs> out of respect for Cal and the hard work he's trying to do, because the corporation that makes your duds. Uh, decided that for some reason it needed to tangle with a guy who's making really cool, independent uh, Orioles-themed art, Ravens-themed art, and an excellent podcast as well. Shame. Shame, gentlemen.
5: Shame. <laughs> we, well, we appreciate it, guys. You know, between between the, uh, the fun that I've had this year, the Orioles season, season-desist letters, I don't know how it can get much better than this. But, well, maybe just being on your podcast, I uh, think that-
1: Took the words right out of my mouth. and that or takes to the next level.
5: <laughs> well, well, yeah, that would have done it.
1: So, so, let's talk, Cal. We're we're talking about highlights and lowlights of the 2013 season. What is your highlight?
5: Well, there are some very obvious highlights. I'm sure that the, the previous guests probably took You know, the most obvious ones being- you know how can you overlook chris davis having the monster year that he did of course of course um, i i really think uh the year that the defense had of course being the greatest defense in the history of major league baseball at least since 1900 yep um you know i think that's that's a great that's a great th- thing to remember from this year my my stat or um my highlight of the year has to be and i was talking about this with with joe pod today my highlight of the year has to be the fact that the Orioles of 2013 proved that the 2012 Orioles weren't a fluke.
1: Yeah. Mm.
5: That they brought that winning baseball is back in Baltimore. It's, it's here to stay. And with the core group that we have between Jones and Weeders, Davis now, Machado, you know, we have that, that core that is building. And if we can get some help in here, it, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a lot of fun for many years to come.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, just to go back for a second, I'm really glad you mentioned the defense. You're actually the first person uh, what? on our recap show to bring up the defense. Well, you, you, you're a man of subtle and refined taste, Cal. You well, know, that's, you're, that's... Not, you're not <laughs> distracted by the bright lights of home runs and, and, and doubles and such.
5: Certainly. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean, I mean th- watching this, I mean, thinking about the teams, I mean, you guys have been, obviously, you guys have been fans. For as long as I have been, so thinking about the teams, even just last year, the defense for the first half of last year was abysmal. Oh God, I mean, so bad. Mark, Mark Reynolds at third base. It was not if he's going to make an error; it's how many and and whether or not the ball was going to kill somebody in the stands. Like,
3: that's <laughs> that sailed that's, off into the
5: night. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what it came down to. Is the sheriff going to do sheriff stuff tonight? Of course he did. <laughs> how many people will be killed? Like. That's that's what we had to worry about. So the difference between in in just a year, or you compare it to teams that pass, like you know having to deal with the the uh, the the past Orioles teams that you just like, oh, this is just watching the bad news bears out there. Yeah. You know, do these guys know what defense is, and then have, having them go from that extreme to this year, the complete opposite extreme, to you know. Being literally the best defensive team in history, obviously the plays that Manny made at third base on a nightly basis—you yeah. know, just <laughs> you, no words to describe them. I'm, I'm word, you know. Oh yeah. Speechless.
1: Well, you All know, the there same. was there was a there was a play in the the second to last game of the season against the Red Sox where I forget who it was at bat. I think it might have been Napoli, but he hit a bouncer down the third base line, and it was it was well struck. Uh, it wasn't a gimme, but it was pretty deep in the hole, right at the at the top fringe of the outfield grass, and Valencia was playing third base, obviously, because Manny was hurt, and he got a glove on it, took a second to set his feet, and then whipped it across to first base, and it got there two steps too late, and that's for Mike Napoli. Right. Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and not exactly wheels napoli over there yeah
1: and it was just one of those things where i mean i realized how quickly i've come to take for granted the fact that if you hit it to the left side on the ground and manny or jj get a glove on it you're out you are uh- not safe
5: Absolutely. I, I was there, um, I, I was fortunate enough to be there Friday and Sunday of the last series. Oh, nice. And, uh, Friday there was a, I forget, uh, again, it may have been somebody like, it, it wasn't One well, wasn't anybody that was terribly fast, but it was a dribbler to the to the front of the grass in the infield, and Flaherty came in, did his very best, barehanded the ball, and it was just like, all right, he's out, and then he held on to the ball. It's like, what? Right. It's like, uh, uh. <laughs> It's like, got so used to Manny making that play off balance, off of one foot, falling, flipping on the ground, yeah. and being at least close to being out, if not out, at at first. So
1: yeah, yeah. Th- well, and it's such a great. T- I mean, it sets up. You know, who knows how much longer J J Hardy is going to be an Oriole, but uh, right. it sets up such a wonderful. It's it's like a great narrative every time a ball goes over there because you have. J.J. Hardy, who is so studious and unspectacular, and it's all about positioning and precision. (laughs) And then you have Manny, who uh, it's not that he is unstudied and unpracticed, but it's so flashy all the time. Yeah. Um, It's just fun. It is so much fun.
5: He's yeah, he's definitely my favorite player to, to watch. I mean I, I remember thinking last year when he came when he came up and then the start of this year, it's just I can't believe that we get to see this once in a lifetime player. It's like Yeah. And he's not even playing the position he's meant to play. He's right. playing this he's playing third base. Like, <laughs> and kidding?
1: long may he do so for my money. Um well,
5: that's an interesting topic for another day. <laughs>
1: yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, before we get to that, uh, let's talk about low lights now. What sure. What do you think was uh, What do you think was the bottom out moment for you this
5: year? Well, again, I'm talking with Joe Powell about this today, um, who's also on our podcast, who's supposed to be on tonight. Joe Powell, hope you're feeling better. You know, we had to put his dog down, not to bring a damper down. No, no. The-
1: as we said, as we said uh, before, we turned on the recording devices. Uh, there are a few things that are more important than recording an independent baseball podcast, <laughs> but putting down the family pet is one of them.
5: That is one of them. So, uh, but he and I were talking about it today. He actually made a really good point. He said that, uh, his low light, and I'll pass his along and then I'll have mine. His low light was Jason Hamill for the year, coming into the year. Oh, that's a oh, good yeah. one. I forgot he was, that
3: he was on our team. <laughs> yeah,
5: Really though. I mean, for thankfully he wasn't for the last two months, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, he he came into the year almost, you know, he started opening day, which is kind of like the unofficial way of saying you're the ace of our team, Yep. and uh, he was supposed to be the ace, quote-unquote, ace of our staff, and he really just imploded, I mean, between giving up more runs than anybody else on, in the pitching staff, and then be, getting hurt, and just being really unreliable. Uh, last year, he seemed when he was healthy. Last year, he seemed to be the guy that they would go to when they needed a stopper. Yeah. And uh, he, this year was just completely the opposite. So De- Joe Pa's pick for for Jason Hamill, I thought was good. Yeah. Mine, mine had to have been th- just the position of left field. Um, yeah. Between- between Nolan Reimold. Um, oh, Nolan Reimold. McLe- McLe- McLeod had a great start. I mean, if you look at M- McLeod's start, he was batting over 300. And Obviously, he's not a 300 career hitter, so you can't expect him to bat 300. But he- I feel like he had 30 stolen bases at the end of May. Yep. And he finished with 30 stolen bases. I mean, yep. it- he-, he just kind of stopped running. You know, his-, his batting average dropped off. And then you had the whole Michael Morse debacle. Oh, and- boy. Whatever that was, and it
1: Debacle's uh, a good word for it. I would say. <laughs>
5: yeah, left, left field was like a black hole that seemed to, you know, yeah. suck three or four people in, and and just kind of. Be that's a weak spot for us besides the dh oh yeah um,
1: we ran Yerudia out there a few times it was just nasty
5: <laughs> <laughs> i never thought i I'd, I'd be you know wishing for the days of luke scott out there running around <laughs>
3: catching,
5: trying to catch fly balls in left field but this year i mean other than the defense obviously you can't take away mccall's defense in left field but it, just that that abyss of a position this year was was definitely a low light for me
1: yeah well, and uh, that actually that actually anticipates our our next thing. Well, uh, which is what is the first move you would like to see Dan Duquette make in the off season? Uh, I'm guessing you'd like to see him uh, <laughs> uh, fill the black hole.
5: Well, that that would definitely be on my priority list. Uh, going out there, I mean, we need obviously the glaring everybody's going to say we need pitching. We need an ace. We need a pitch. We need pitching. Uh, Obviously, aces don't grow on trees. There are a lot of teams that want to go out there and get an ace pitcher. Uh, And looking at the free agents this year, uh, there's not a strong case to be made to go spend a lot of money on a free agent pitcher. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hiroki Kuroda is, to me, the top free agent pitcher out there, maybe. You Mm -hmm. go out and spend a lot of money on Hiroki Kuroda. He's 39 years old and probably going to want to stay in. No thanks. No thanks. Plus, by the way, in case you guys didn't know, there is an actual quote of Hiroki Kuroda saying that he hates playing baseball. So I don't want, to, wouldn't want that guy Great,
1: on my team. Great man. Great. <laughs> well, um, man, how, so, how much can I pay him to play for me?
5: <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so, but but like you said, left field. Um, I mean, Nate's a free agent. This is you know he did well. He was a perfect spot holder for those two years. But I'd really like them to go. Go out and you know see if they who they can sign. I know uh, Shin Shinshu Chu Choo Choo is a free agent. Um, that is you know, the best
1: pronunciation that we've had on the show so far tonight. His name has come up already,
5: uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you got closer than anybody. Mister Chu Chu. I just go with the train sound usually. Yes, yeah, I think that's uh, wise. That's, that's I think uh, that, that's that's how
3: his mother handles the situation as well. I I understand. <laughs> I,
5: I I think he's probably going to. Gonna probably garner way too much money for the Orioles to put out there for him to sign. So, uh, but to me, they're gonna have to address that. I don't really see uh, Hammer and Hank Yerudia uh, as the as the <laughs> answer in left field. So uh, that obviously a DH. Yeah. Uh, who's gonna be our DH? Um, I really liked, and I, I honestly, uh, something that uh, Joe Pa threw around today is. Going out and, and re-signing, getting Matt Weeters and or Chris Davis signed a long-term contracts. Those are those are things that we think need to be settled before uh, before the next off-season. But I, as far as as far as free agents are concerned, I'd I'd go out there and find a left fielder.
1: No, I I dig that. I, I I feel your vibes on the contract extension. My question is, who do you sign first?
5: Um. It's probably not very a popular opinion especially seeing as how the other guy is the most valuable or Oriole of 2013. But I, I got to sign Matt Weiders and that's yeah. just because looking at if you look at the catchers around the league and people, you know, he, he's got to get that 282 OBP up. I mean, it's oh, yeah. it's it's embarrassing. I mean, he's got he's got to do something if it's hitting from the right side only or or doing something.
1: That's also something- come up on the show this evening. <laughs>
5: So he's got to do something as far as as far as hitting is concerned but the the defense that he adds and I think calling a game and I just don't yeah. think people people value that enough and it's easy to point out the fact that he doesn't hit very well or hasn't hit this past year but the defense and the uh, amount of runs that he i think has saved and the the fact that buck trusts him and i think that he handles a pitching staff very well you think about how many starters we had this year we had 20 some or 18 starters 19 different starters oh yeah this year more than
1: last year if that was even possible
5: <laughs> somehow we broke that record and uh you know you you have to have weeders out there every you have to have trust in your catcher to go out there every night and call a game and and be able to kind of handle that diversity and i think weeders handles it very well
1: yeah um i i agree i agree completely and i think uh you know it when you think about the no matter how bad he's been that the prospect of matt weeders in another team's uniform just it just feels wrong
5: Yes, agreed.
1: Uh, and, and I can't really back that up with anything, necessarily, because I know that a lot of what he's done has been disappointing, but he just... Matt Weeders feels like an Oriole to me, and... and-
5: And you look at, I mean, the Yankees, I mean, I was reading today, the Yankees faulted on not giving Russell Martin, you know, a couple extra million dollars this year. Yeah, don't (laughs) make that mistake again. Right, I mean, look what he did in in the playoffs so far, I mean, for the Pirates and what he meant to that team as a whole. Having that leader there behind the dish, I think, is a a big deal. So obviously, crush crush extension is definitely needed, but I got to give Matt his his deal first.
1: Agreed, agreed. Um. All right. Well. Well. So. So. All <laughs> these. All these, these. These. big concepts and ideas floating around. If you sure. had to sum them all up into uh, what we have called so far on the show an epigram, an epitaph, <laughs> an epitat, an epipen, probably an epilogue, would, an epilogue. <laughs> what. Uh, what would your epigraph be?
5: Um, well, my epigraph today, and I impressed Joe Pa with this one. So you have to let me. This has like a. This is like a trio meaning. This has like three layers. It's like okay, um, it's okay. like an onion of, a, <laughs> of an epigram here. I um, I chose the Great Divide. As my uh, as my epigram. And that meaning, mean, whoa! I mean, it's real deep. All right. So yeah. here's, here's here's my three meanings. My first meeting, the first one that came to mind was the great divide between the Oriole faithful and the bandwagon fans. OK, and that was, I like it. <laughs> that was a huge divide that I, I dealt with personally this year um, as far as trusting Buck and just being being a baseball fan and understanding how baseball works. Goes, mm-hmm. and you have a lot of the people that I felt were bandwagon fans that really don't understand baseball. They they paid a lot of attention to our football team the last twelve years, but not really attention to baseball.
4: Uh, so I they see don't where you're going.
5: You know, you, they don't understand that one loss doesn't equal the same as a football loss. <laughs> or, or <laughs> right, that even, right. Thank goodness. Even five losses, you know, doesn't equal five losses in in football. So you know, it's it's just kind of that great divide between. The faithful and 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 understanding baseball and being appreciative of the 85 wins that we got, the winning season, what it feels like to have a winning team that's competitive, yeah. Compared to the the fans that maybe weren't so familiar with that, yep. Um, the other, my second layer on that was the the great divide between this team being a good team and a great team, and just uh-huh. that little hump that they couldn't get over. It seemed it's, you know, we all know they couldn't. Put together a winning streak longer than five games. They couldn't. It yeah. seemed that every time they they got on a on a little bit of a roll, something would happen. Somebody got hurt. Um, the the bats would start to go cold. The, the bullpen, somebody in the bullpen would start floundering. Mm-hmm. It was just that that little. Bit of space between being a great team and being a good team, yep. and, and that great divide in between. It seems so large, though, just because of oh, yeah. how close we were.
1: It's uh it's kind of an uncanny valley situation, you know. It's like <laughs> it's like we're we're so close to being a great team that we start to look like a horrible team, right? Exactly. Because you because can find all these tiny little imperfections that absolutely. add up to the to a great divide, as it absolutely. were.
5: Indeed, and my last last point, and that actually kind of leads to this, is the the great divide seemingly between the Orioles, and the Rays and the Red Sox, and that being as far uh, yeah. as p- pitching is concerned, mm-hmm. that starting pitching that we cannot seem to get our crap together with it. Is, <laughs> it it's just it feels like whenever we go up against those teams and not so much last year against Boston but this year definitely you're facing guys like Lester and Buckholz. and then you look at Tampa Bay and they have five they, they've had I think I, think I heard Gary Thorne say this that they've had 18 pitchers uh, 18 different starters total since like 2008 yeah we wow. had 18 different starters this year yeah so you look at the stability that they've had in their rotation and that leads to as to why they've been such a great franchise They
3: keep hitting they keep I mean this Chris Archer, fella, who came out of nowhere. I mean, I not out of nowhere. He was a good prospect, but the, the the felt like he was their like sixth best prospect, right? Two years ago, the- and he's uh you know a, a twenty game winner next year.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. When you look it- at their rotation, having it, it's like oh Chris Archer. Wow, he turns out to be a great pitcher. Hey, where <laughs> have I heard that story before? Oh, maybe Matt Moore, Alex Cobb, <laughs> David Price, Jeremy Hellickson. I don't know.
5: Right. Right, I mean the list goes on and on. It's just seemingly we can't catch a break with our starting pitching. You know, you have guys like Mattis who you think are going to be that guy, and he turns out to be our left-handed specialist. You yep. have Arietta who we traded for, you know, who Scott for Scott Feldman, mm-hmm. who may or may not ever get it right, but you know he looked like there were times where he looked like a Cy Young Award winner. Yeah, and then he walk eight guys and you'd be like what is going on yeah you know? well i think so, uh, it, it's
1: it's really interesting you know to be sitting here talking about uh this orioles team after two after one year uh where we made the playoffs and and were just really knocked everybody's socks off a second year where we came up a little bit short on the playoffs but we're an excellent and very competitive team and we're still talking about starting pitching <laughs> which we've been talking about Somehow. since 2007 Five? yeah, yeah. <laughs>
5: Really, really Ever though. I mean, that's I why. Left, really. <laughs> that's why. That's why I appreciate this season a lot. I think. I mean, to to look at the starting pitching that we we've had. I mean, Freddie Garcia started eight games for us this year Ugh, don't or remind something. Me. Uh, you know, we had we had uh we had two or three. We had two guys left in our starting rotation basically by the end of the season, or three, I guess, if you count. Yeah. Um, I don't think uh, Miggy made the first couple of starts there, but yeah. I mean. Y- Looking at a rotation and just how inconsistent it was, and I mean to to win eighty five games, to be in contention up until a week beforehand, and have such inconsistent starting really makes you—it's kind of miraculous, actually. <laughs> it really is. I mean, people say we weren't lucky. I mean, we weren't really lucky this year. I think we were incredibly lucky. I think we've been we've been. I think actually, I think we're really good, yeah. but <laughs> we just aren't. We just haven't crossed that great divide to get to great yet because of our starting pitching.
1: There it is. All right, Cal, well thank you so much for joining us this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, get yourselves to obpapparel.com and get yourself a shirt, get yourself a pair of headphones and listen to the obp podcast. Uh and and if you have a moment, click on the link that says the oath uh to get a sense of of kind of where where Cal is coming from and what what I interpret to be his um the the words that kind of kind of form the guiding principles over there at OBP would that be fair to say?
5: Absolutely, you're spot on.
1: So are we going to see a great divide T-shirt, or is that just a
5: little <laughs> too sad? I think maybe
3: not. Maybe not.
5: <laughs> I, I ho- hopefully we can get like a shirt of somebody jumping the great divide. Once there we, we go. Get like there we over go. Over that over that you know that that giant space that we seem to be dividing us right now from the great teams.
1: <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll be talking to you again soon.
5: Oh, Thanks for having me on. We uh, look forward to having you guys on the, the podcast sometime soon as well.
4: Well, uh, I'll be honest with you, Alan. I, I think it's all a load of garbage.
2: Baltimoreans.
1: You are listening to Baltimoreans, The home of the all-weather fan. This is Alan Smith. This is Sam Dingman. And this is also the part where I keep talking in the sentence I just started. Uh, sorry, had a, had a little hitch in the pants, folks. Just yet another peek behind the curtain of life inside of Hootenanny Studios. My pants are too small. I'm feeling a little sick right now, and Alan asked me what I was feeling earlier today, and I said, uh, I don't know what it's called, but if I had to name it, I'd call it The Bloats, because it feels like every part of me is blown up like a... Big
3: snot-filled balloon. Anyway, well, let me just say, uh, as someone in the studio with you right now, you look
1: great. <laughs> don't lie to these people, Alan. They've been with us for sixty-nine hours. That is absurd That's to think absurd. about.
3: Wow, you—you <laughs> uh, you guys have spent more than three days with us now.
1: Oh, and really, it's seventy because <laughs> we're calling this part of episode sixty-nine, but it's not. It's six. The, it's the seventieth hour, at least. Well, as if you haven't already heard enough from Sam or I, Ooh. now is the time in the podcast where we take a swing. Don't you think, though? <laughs> don't you think, though, if people had reached a point where they were like, I've had enough of these guys. I don't want to hear any more. Wouldn't they have gotten there already? Like, yeah. would that have already happened? Yeah.
3: Like, we left that We left that
1: back at episode 24. Yeah. I mean, if you're still with us now, we could probably say anything <laughs> and people would stick around great so uh let's abuse that shall we okay rubber baby buggy bumpers (laughs) all right ladies and gentlemen let's get serious please let's let's recenter let's take a deep breath and here's the thing you've just heard from our 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 some of our sister wife podcasts in the baltimore sports report network right you have just heard from cal at uh, the obp podcast Um, these are smart people yep you've you've heard
3: from a certified genius in uh president of
1: baseball operations dan duquette i've seen the certificate Mm. it is mensa level Mm -hmm. so ladies and gentlemen uh you've pretty much found out all there is to know you've heard every every perspective that we were able to get a hold of except our own which we offer you now so sam yeah. Well what's your highlight of the uh of the Orioles season? Well, you know, Alan, I, I was thinking this over and <laughs> uh you know, I did go back as you instructed last week and, and listen to the Dan Duquette segment. Yeah. And I don't know what how this happened, but I really feel like it it's like Dan was speaking through me. Wow. Or I was speaking through him. Goodness. Um, so you're
3: you're really in agreement with him that it was sort of the emergence of the of the twin Chris's yeah, that was that your highlight of the year.
1: I I mean I couldn't I couldn't have have summarized my feelings any better, uh, had I scripted everything that Dan Duquette said. <laughs> Why is that funny to you?
3: No, no, I couldn't couldn't say. Yeah, all right. Couldn't say.
1: Yeah, but uh, you know just to recap in case uh, people forget his wise words. <laughs> um, yeah, I felt like the emergence of Team Chris this year. Uh, was was really striking because those are both guys who, and who knows what's going to happen next year. But I think there's no way to look at the guy that Chris Tillman was this year, and I know we ragged on him a lot uh, over the course of the season. But he was a top ten pitcher in in 2013, especially down the stretch. Really turned it on, gave us every chance to contend. We did not. We elected not to take him up on a number <laughs> of those kind offers. Right. Um, but this is a guy who we have been pining away for the arrival of since 2009, and this year. Even more so than last year, he got here, and he got here in a big way. And as we have said many times, that's not something we get to see very much. Chris Davis, as we discussed, was a guy that people, there was a certain amount of attendance in road games this year for people who wouldn't have come out to see, this is going to sound mean, the Twins or the Blue Jays or the Rays or whoever, because they don't usually go out to see those teams, but they showed up this year because they were like, Chris Davis might hit a home run, and that's a big deal. Right right, so, on the map i think I think that was uh that was that was a real highlight for me mm-hmm. um the low lights as as Dan so eloquently put it uh, <laughs> to me it was it was the it was the the anemically low on bass percentage yeah and that's rough hard we to we've we banged that drum real hard and and we just gotta bang it again, you know when you look at it um th- everybody makes such a big deal we've we've touched on this but Everybody makes such a big deal about how well we did in the one-run games last year, 29 and 9. So what is that? That's 38 one-run games out of the entire season? Yep. 51 of them this year. Yep. 20 and 31. That's a very significant amount of, uh, a uh, a significantly larger amount of one-run games that we had to suffer through. We get enough runners on base. We convert with those runners on base next year. Those one-run games, there's just not as many of them.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, And Jim Johnson is not having to appear in 60 games, which is a lot. Yeah.
1: And what have we said all Seven,
3: season? 70-some. He he had way too many appearances this year.
1: Yeah. And what have we said every time we've talked about on base percentage? It takes luck out of the equation. Yep. You don't need luck if you create your own runs. Are you also
3: on board then with the, I, I would say, fairly radical pre- preposition <laughs> of trading Gossman and Wieders for uh, Stanton? Well, uh,
1: <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I stand by it. I do. I uh. I don't like it. I mean, I don't like it. It makes me feel icky and gross. It <clears throat> makes me feel icky and gross. But I think, uh, you know, who was it that said? Uh, I think Josh from Section 336 said that what he wanted to see this off season was he wanted to see Dan Duquette make a splash. That's a splash, and that's a splash that. Yeah, does it make our team a little bit worse in terms of taking our quarterback off the field in Matt Weiders? Yes. Giancarlo Stanton is a once-in-a-generation power hitter, <laughs> and he's 23.
3: Okay, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind you of two things. <clears throat> One is how icky it would feel if we had to watch Wieders in another, another uh, team uniform.
1: I did say that, didn't I?
3: But also, I think that maybe uh, this is actually just to let you behind the curtain, Baltimore fans, which we seem to be doing a lot of day, today. A lot well, of curtain it, moving.
1: It's theater of the mind. Theater of the mind. Swish, swish.
3: Uh, last year... We suggested that uh, we trade Chris Tillman and Chris Davis to Boston Nonsense. for John Lester. I don't remember saying They that. went on to have probably the two best breakout seasons on the Orioles. So what Sam's actually doing is he's just seeding the ground for Gossman to compete for the Cy Young and for Matt Weiders to finally get over 300 with his on-base percentage. I'm
1: just doing what I do, baby. I'm just coming at you with the magic words. Yep. You know, yep. what these guys do on the field, that's their game, but... My track record's pretty strong.
3: track record is very strong. track record is very strong. So I hope that uh, well now, now, Dan Duquette is listening and he manages to, to, to hold off on the trigger on that particular trade.
1: Now what about you, Alan? Highlights, lowlights?
3: <laughs> uh, I think I gotta, I'm going to have to go with Cal on my highlight. I think that the defense and the feeling of assumption that happened with any ball that was hit on the ground um, being an, a made-out was just a radical new thing for me as an Orioles fan and it's it was a really thing. it was really enjoyable and um, to to not sort of tense up when the ball was hit to third base and assume it was gonna go sailing out of bounds if it was a close play Oof. to assuming that the play was gonna be made and being like legitimately surprised if someone was able to beat out uh, a Machado
1: throw yeah that was the
3: highlight for me um, I in a season that I do not think had a lot of sort of like single game highlights.
1: Yeah, um, one thing we didn't bring up when we were talking with Cal about that is uh, I I think Nick Markakis converted every defensive chance he had this year. Yeah, he made no errors. Did not really hit the ball, but uh, that is
3: true. But he uh, no he he had an, an, another stellar season and should be another Gold Glove outfielder.
1: Agreed, agreed. Especially now that they've made it uh, <clears throat> they they've divided they they've they've made it so they're giving out three Gold Gloves in the yep. outfield.
3: Yep. Now, uh, over the course of the last many, many sessions where we've been talking to all these wonderful and smart people, mm-hmm. everyone referred obliquely to the Machado industry, I- injury, Yes, but that is definitively my low light of the year. It's uh... That game was just the worst moment I have had as a sporting fan.
1: That was a terrible baseball game. It was a game.
3: terrible baseball game. We were up for those of you who have not had it indelibly scarred in your mind.
1: <laughs> Four to two
3: when that injury occurred. We went on to uh, tie it at four, uh, fall to a 4 4 tie, um, and then have a Weeders base running error, a Nate McClouth bunt double that was not <clears throat> converted into a run. Yep. And then uh, first pitch at the bottom of the ninth, James Loney walks it off.
1: Well, let's not forget Alexi Cassilla concussing the, himself the on Nick Markakis's knee.
3: The terrifying Alexi Casilla concussion. Um, all of which was just sort of the final nail in the coffin of the Orioles season. If they'd had any chance at all at that point, they would have had to win that game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, making that just like, and then and then the 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 potential in that 24 hour window for that injury to have sort of far reaching Orioles repercussions right. um, was just not not fun, and really was just a, a, a low low light.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so now uh, am I you've just said that you don't agree with uh Dan Duquette's prescription mm. for the off season. Mm. What what would you do instead?
3: Uh I hear the desire to make a splash. Mm-hmm. Um I think that I uh I actually think that this team is closer than all that. Um and I think that the thing we need to do instead of <clears throat> trading for an ace or trading for a power slugger like Stanton is to roll the Dan Duquette magic dice a couple more times. Okay, so you want to keep going with the Chinese water torture? Yep, yep, I think so. Because if we get a couple more hits in the uh, year-long plan of stocking the AAA teams with uh, veterans and young guys and sort of cast-offs and and, and a uh, a murderer's row of possibilities (laughs) that eventually some of them will hit. Um, And I think that... The chances that some of them hit especially after a year of them missing um is pretty good and i don't think that, th- that there's one I-, I would like a big splash but i don't think that there's a player out there that i'm willing to pay for right now um i'm not willing to that. give up a first round pick for morales i'm not willing to commit absurd sums of money for a 39 year old player who doesn't want to play baseball anymore I hear um that. you know I-, I think that the philadelphia affiliates would be asking for you know um three quarters of our offense to get cliff lee right so i i think that there that there are a lot of moves that could be done and i like to fantasize about who they might be but i don't think we get a a plausible move um that i can see happening that doesn't have a sort of mortgage everything
1: yeah uh i also think a murderer's row of possibilities is possibly <laughs> the best i don't know what you've selected as your epigram but that might be it <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh w- would you like to submit that as as your epigram? A murderer's row of possibilities would be very excellent.
3: Um I was also thinking of uh something along the lines of um if you keep flipping the coin it's bound to turn up heads one of these times.
1: <laughs> yes, which brings us back to the whole luck thing. Yeah. I mean, I know I know we need a little bit of luck. I know every team needs a little bit of luck to uh to get there. Right. Um I would just like us I would just like us to find more ways of not relying on it. Sure. So that when we get it, which every team does sometimes, it means more.
3: Epigram for the 2013 Baltimore Orioles season.
1: Mm. mm, mm, mm. I would say uh uh I I would say uh uh a season th- this season is neither Feldmania Nor is it Nor nor is it Chentertainment Tis somewhere In between (laughs) But really I'm just going to stick with Dan's uh, Antonin Scalia quote I think (laughs) Oh god (laughs) (laughs) Well
3: There you have it That is the end of the 2013 season I think we can safely um, ring the bell on this one And move on to uh, The off season by
1: the way, the uh, the bell came back from the shop. Just it's all shined up. Looks great. We we got to come up with another game here pretty soon.
3: Yep. bell looks great. Um, back in full working order. Oh yeah. And we hope that you will stick with us, um, Baltimoreans. That's right. We're not we, going anywhere as we charge into this off season. Yeah. Um, because we will be here. Um, sometimes it will be further and further away from cogent baseball analysis, but that's kind of what you expect at this point.
1: So. Well, listen, listen. You're going to be able to go to a lot of places this offseason and hear people talking about the Ravens and the Redskins and the Capitals. But <laughs> you're going to get tired of that eventually. Yeah. And then you're going to say to yourself, what if I tuned into the Baltimoreans for their trademark blend of political commentary... <laughs> And baseball analysis <laughs> without as much baseball analysis. <laughs> what would that sound like? But probably more Henry Arudia puns. Yeah, almost exclusively Henry Arudia puns, I think. You got a lot to look forward to, ladies and gentlemen. That'll do it for this week's show. <laughs> Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Um, now, now, I, I want to tell you about the music we played on the show. Uh, we We, of course, had our theme song by Marshall York. But for the outro song, we'd like to play you something... Something something very special. And I think it, it it, really... There's no better way to sum up a conversation about the Orioles that might have been than by playing you what we're about to play you. Um, so presented without commentary,
3: Charlie Hoppus.
0: Hey guys, it's Charlie from Orioles Statics. I am about halfway through episode 68 of your fine show, and... I had to stop and, and give you guys a call because I noticed yet another reference to the 1965 Broadway classic, Man of La Macha. It must be the third or fourth time that you guys have referenced it. And so I spent about three minutes writing new lyrics that sort of fit in more with what you guys were calling the Impossible Dream, which seemed to be getting on base, base basic things that the Orioles don't seem to do well. So I changed a couple of the lyrics to the song. Um, you must forgive me because I wrote it in about three minutes, like I said, and I'm sick, and also I've never been able to sing in my whole life, so this may be, uh, this may be interesting. I'm going to also try my best to sing it in the intended tone that, uh, that the original The Impossible Dream was written for. So, without further ado, The Impossible Dream.
4: Who dream the impossible dream? To fight the unbeatable foe To bear with long road trips to Oakland To walk when the pitches are low To hit an immeasurable dong Yes, one that's incredibly far To relieve when your arms are too weary to reach the unreachable star, this is your quest, to follow that star, no matter how hopeless, no matter how far, to go deep in the count and to not swing at falls. to be willing to go the other way for the team's greater cause. And I know if you'll only be true to this glorious quest that runs, will be scored in bunches, and that we'll be the best. And the staff will be stronger for this, that they don't need to be perfect each start. And the birds... We'll fly ever upward to reach the unreachable star. Well, you get the point. Goodbye,
0: Hoboron! Baltimoreons is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com.